Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you are an accredited or non-accredited investor. Aventure provides an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio by providing access to investing in venture capital funds. The Aventure app provides everything you need to make startup investments, including extensive research material, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures. For fund managers, Aventure seeks to help you streamline your operations and launch your fund. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are liquid, which is a major pain point in our industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in the industry are so excited about this launch. Their first fund launch is coming early next year. So if you want to be the first in the know, join their waitlist at aventure.vc. That's A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E dot V-C. Also check the link in the show notes. Aventure is a California-based fintech company and operates independently from investment advisors on its platform who may be registered as investment advisors in the U.S. or qualify for exempt reporting status. Hey, welcome to The Consumer VC. I'm your host, Mike Gelb, and this is a podcast where we discuss the intersection of venture capital and consumer innovation. If you're enjoying the show, I highly recommend subscribing to my newsletter at theconsumervc.com, where you're going to receive every new episode straight to your inbox and a weekly recap of all the consumer deals that are happening. All content and episodes are for informational entertainment purposes only and is not investment advice. Well, this is a fantastic crowd. Thank you all for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming, everyone. Uh, by way of introduction, because I want to be on time, I'm Mark Nathan. I'm local here to Austin. I work for a firm called Egan Nelson, which is a law firm doing a lot of CPG work. I have a lot of friends in this room, and thank you very much all for coming. I know that South By is rough. I know that Expo is even rougher, and doubling them up is even worse. So for everybody that made it, how many people went to Expo and South by? Not me. You guys are braver than I am. And look at Nicole standing up. I can't believe it. It's shocking. But ultimately, we are so happy to have you all here. This is going to be a really, really good show. We've got Mike Gelbin from LA. He's going to have a phenomenal interview. We've got a couple of really, really legitimately great panels. We've got a great crowd here. Look at yourselves. Give yourselves a round of applause, right? Um, thank Thanks you. for being here, everyone. Really um, needs a lot. I want to get going because I want this to start. I'm looking forward to hearing these panels. So this is personal to me, but I want to thank each and every one of you for coming. And with that, I'm going to give you my gill. So thank you all. Hey, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Mike. I uh, founded a podcast called The Consumer VC, where I interview founders and investors in the consumer space, whether it's CPG or consumer tech. I'm so, so, so excited to interview Allison and Steven, the founders of Poppy. Poppy is a prebiotic functional beverage brand. Highly recommend if you don't know it, try it out. We're going to get into what pre prebiotic means, what functional means um, in this interview. So really also want to thank our sponsors as well. Vobin, Triple Whale, uh, Brown, of course, for, for, for having us here and hosting. And of course, JP Morgan. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Anna. And so without further ado, I want to bring up Allison and Stephen Ellsworth. Thank you. Allison. Hello. Hey, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. So many amazing faces in the crowd. This is quite nice. Yeah, thanks so much for making it out. Really appreciate it. Thanks for this. 
Um, would love to like start with like the founding story of Poppy, since it is a pretty unique story, and I really do mean that. Um, how did you find out about prebiotics, and what was some of the foundation of what led to creating Mother, what the brand was originally called? So we had no idea what prebiotics were. If that that's really the question, because it really stemmed from a personal story of mine. So. A few years ago, I didn't feel very good, and I had a ton of different tummy problems. My skin was a mess, and I just had a total lack of energy. So after going to doctors and they couldn't figure out what was going on with me, I did what I think a lot of people do is I Googled my symptoms. Who has done that before? <laughs> right? Um, Google MD. Yeah, Google MD, which I know, I, you know, I know we're not supposed to do that, but... Um, but something I, that just kept coming up over and over again was this thing called apple cider vinegar. And it was like how to reset and detox your body. It's been around for 400 years. And I'd heard of it from the master cleanse and, and, and other people drinking it. So I decided to give it a try. And after two weeks of drinking it every single day, I was shocked at how amazing I felt. But I hated the straight taste of vinegar. And like I couldn't even get Stephen to try it. It was like, I was like, this is amazing. He was like fit and like healthy. And I was like, okay, if he won't try it, like there's a problem here. So another question, who here is taking a shot or drank apple cider vinegar straight? Right. How long did that last for? You're like, got it. You're like, right. A week, maybe two weeks, right? It's not something that's sustainable. It's not something that you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to wake up and drink my apple cider vinegar. Um, It's like a fad diet type of situation. So love the health benefits. And I was like, I got to make this taste good. So I spent months in my kitchen using Steven as a guinea pig. And I kind of came up with the first version, like you were saying. And at that time, we named it Mother Beverage, which was after the Mother of Vinegar. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so what was your first kind of, how did you think about like formulation and also like started selling? This is, you know, pre uh, Shark Tank, but like, how did you think about actually launching the, the brand Mother? So we worked in oil and gas research before. We used to travel the road for about like seven years. Oh, wow. Um, and so just living in the hotels and that lifestyle, it, it didn't also, wasn't probably the best for my gut. Um, so we got to the point where we moved to Dallas. We were pregnant with our first. I was like a little bored, didn't want to go back on the road. So obviously we took it to the local farmer's market that I think a lot of other startups and entrepreneurs do. And within three weeks of being there, we had a huge break. So one of the local foragers from Whole Foods came by our booth and she's like, look, this is insane. The line is insane. You guys have to be in Whole Foods. And I remember like that moment looking at Stephen being like, that was Whole Foods. Holy crap. Like, and we're talking three weeks since. I was like, okay, now we're quitting our jobs. We're not going back. He's like, calm down. (laughs) We did. We went all in. We decided to open our own production facility in Dallas and kind of like built that out, which is insane in beverage. Like you don't manufacture yourself. Like the fear of us not knowing that early on um, was actually a good thing because it pushed us really hard. But looking back now, that's, you know, it's not like a local brewery type of situation. That's kind of what we did, right? Yeah, I think just like one thing throughout our whole journey is we didn't approach this as a business initially. It was really a solution to our health problem. You know, and I think just Allison and I, we just like to say that we're entrepreneurs from the start. And we just, whenever there's something we don't know, we just jump in and we figure it out. So that's really... You'll start to see that through really our whole story that that it's a common theme. That's awesome. That's awesome. Was there any like a moment in that early period that you felt like you were actually really on something that this could actually be a pretty big company? And also, what was that moment like, if, if so? 
Yeah, I mean, other than like that Whole Foods moment, it took us about 10 months from that time to manufacture ourselves to get on the actual shelf. And we had really great velocities early on. We were in like 14 local Whole Foods in Dallas. Um, and friends were loving Anybody that could try it loved it and wanted more of it type of situation. We couldn't make it quick enough. Um, we got to the point where we needed investment. And so naturally, the American dream, you go on Shark Tank, right? Like, we had no idea there was this thing that, like, you could actually like, go out and raise funds at that time. Um, and I think we'd done about, what, like 500000 in revenue. And I saw an open casting call, and we went and stood in line in Shark Tank and pitched our hearts out. And I guess that's also really rare. Usually you, um, like, get called, like, the show calls you or something. And so I think they told us we were, like, and the point zero two percent of people that actually like, make it through that to actually get on the show and getting a deal. So you go on Shark Tank. Rohan makes an investment in Mother. Then it seemed like I'd love to like, walk you through after that moment once and also with Kavu, which is um, Rohan's uh, fund, because you go through an entire, of course, rebrand from Mother to Poppy. What was some of the learnings working with Kavu going through that whole rebrand? I know it you were kind of very extensive. It took a long time to rebrand. Like, what were what were some of the attributes or things that you were kind of focused on during that period? Yeah, I, uh, for me, I was maybe a little less sensitive about the rebrand. I actually told Allison before we went on the show, I said, I think I think it, it might be good to rebrand. With the word mother, it's one, we couldn't trademark it, right? We wanted some sort of protection against our own brand name. Um, but it really played into this whole like farmer's market brand. The packaging was really niche. And I think that that's, Mine and me and Allison have this yin and yang because of her story. It was all about the health issue, the, you know, the functionality, the health properties. And I was all about good taste. I have a really basic palate. Uh, so I just wanted something that tasted amazing. Like that was, that was like number one for me. And so I think as we approached this rebrand, we wanted the name and the packaging to speak great taste and refreshment. Right. And so when Ro came to us and said, Hey, we need to rebrand this. No, he said, hey, love your liquid, but your branding shit. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, yeah, there was some openness about it. But I mean, that's what they do. Right. And and honestly, we had had some offers for some money even before we went on the Shark Tank. But we had turned those offers down and really said, hey, if there's a chance to to meet a strategic partner, smart money, um, Shark Tank's a great way to do it. And so when we had that opportunity, we went with him because he's built great brands. What was your biggest learning when it came to brand building when you partnered with Kavu? Yeah. So I think something that we did that was really helpful is we actually decided even after having a national commercial on Shark Tank with Mother, we're like, we're changing the name. And we actually pulled back and we did a lot of consumer research. We're like, who is our target audience? Really, what is Poppy? And what we really realized is we had a modern soda for the next generation. So before it was like this apple cider vinegar, more niche product, right? That isn't really for the masses. And after doing a lot of research, we find that the number one reason people drink poppy is because it tastes good. And then they're like, oh my gosh, yes. And it has health properties. That's amazing. So through the rebrand, we were like, okay, do we do cans or bottles? Do we do white labels or do we do color? And what we realized through the color is it screams flavor, right? At the end of the day, you want people aren't going to continue, like you guys are going to take those shots unless it tastes good. So all of that went into it. We wanted to take into account what it was merchandised on the shelf with all of the color. And at that time, not a lot of people were doing that. You were doing fruit that's like real lemons. We did illustrated like graphic fruit, right? Which is really different, disruptive for that time. Um, so then when we finally launched Poppy, we had, you know, got to that point where it was like nine um, months of that. We, we got the packaging. 
that when we launched, we really had a good idea of who we were. I think a lot of brands are, they launch and they kind of just like figure it out as they go. But I think we came out of the gate really strong. Yeah. I mean, you really did come out of the gate really strong. How did you, how did you think once you, first of all, like, well, where did like Poppy the name? Poppy, just simplest terms, it's a play on soda pop, right? So Poppy, modern soda for the next generation. But what was there? There was like Poppy by mother. We had mom like, and pop. Bob and pop. It was bad. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, we're really hanging on to mother, you know, once we like fully let it go, it was, it was just amazing with, with Poppy. And then, uh, you know, the colors, they pop off the shelf as well. Totally. Totally. Um, so it kind of has multiple, uh, uses in terms of what it actually, uh, stands for. That's awesome. Um, so you came out the gate, I mean, pretty hard. What was your kind of approach to like sales and distribution once you finalized the Poppy brand? Yeah, I think we had our idea of what our route to market was and our sales strategy, but I think the world had something different. We actually launched in March of 2020. I'm sure you guys are very familiar with that date. Uh, but we actually were one of the few companies we had spent so much time and money in actually preparing for Expo West, which was last week. Um, but uh, yeah, we set up the booth and ended up putting it back in the box like the day after we set it up. And so, and then the whole world shut down, right? And so, because it was literally in February of 2020, it was me and Allison. Uh, Poppy is almost uh, 90 employees now, just three short years later, which is which is crazy. But because of that, we were able to be really flexible and nimble. So we took all of our funds and when the world shut down and Whole Foods and Sprouts, where we had, you know, pretty big rollouts with, they were focused on water and toilet paper and paper towels and that whole thing. So we really just switched and we became even more focused, hyper-focused on being a digital first brand and went all into Amazon. Well, we, we were one of the lucky brands to have signed up for Amazon before COVID hit because I even think there was a point where Amazon wasn't taking on new brands. So, you know, even people that were scrambling and I know if you didn't have like your own D2C website, it was a little bit hard. But we also had another moment that hit, which was we were on Amazon. We were trying to figure out the distribution because everyone was worried about toilet paper. Um, and we had filmed an update. So we had filmed an update on Shark Tank previous, and it aired in April of 2020. Now, how often is everyone sitting at home, but on a Friday night of April of 2020 during mid-lockdown? So our our website crashed. Um, we went from doing about $9,000 on Amazon in March to well over $150,000 three weeks later. And we ended up trending higher than like Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump. Like at that time, it was absolutely insane. And it really just, I mean, it we got like Amazon's hot new product list. It just changed the algorithm within Amazon and replanogram does basically to be like Amazon's choice. And we're talking like three weeks into business. So there's these few things that's happened along the way that really I don't think is very normal. And everyone might say, oh, it's luck, but it's, it is also a lot of hard work. No, totally. And I think, I remember checking last week, I think you're still the number one soda brand on Amazon, which is... We are so excited. Yeah. So Stackline just came out with data about two weeks ago that Poppy is the number one soda on Amazon. So we sell more than Coke and Sprite, Dr. Pepper. Um, and we are, yeah, we're killing it. So how how did you how did you also approach your marketing? Just um, like I remember we were talking and you said you've had over, I think almost or or over but a billion um, impression or, or views of your content. How do you also approach kind of content and actually having that to actually drive sales? Yeah, so uh, I was personally obsessed with TikTok when the platform came out and it was one of those things in 2020, it was like the new thing. A lot of people were on there, it was all about dancing and like trends. And, um, you know, I even went to like Rohan in our board and I was like, hey guys, TikTok's, and they're like, Allison, no, like this is IG, pretty high gloss, like stick 
there. And so I spent my nights and weekends. I remember just being like up at night thinking like, how do we break through on this like new platform? The organic reach is insane. So I just started posting myself and I was making Steven do TikToks with me. I was doing them on the weekend. I was doing like, you know, yeah, I was dancing and, you know, I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing on the platform, but I just kept posting. till one night I sat down on Friday night and I posted a video of just telling my story. No crazy dances, no like trending sounds. And we woke up and we had done like a hundred grand on Amazon that night. Store shelves and grocery were cleared out. And that video now has, I think, 75 million views. And so just personally on our TikTok, we have had over a billion views on our just our TikTok page in the last year and a half. How do you also think, because I'd imagine um, from like a margin standpoint, um, CBG works much better in retail. And also, of course, um, even despite COVID, um, you know, major- the overwhelming majority of a purchase happens, you know, in retail versus online. How do you think about leveraging your online marketing um, to actually drive customers into retail stores or even like when you're like launching maybe like a new region or a new area? Um, or are you mostly focused on a kind of like on the ground marketing? For that? Yeah, I mean, I think for all of you marketers out there, um, I think you'd be proud to know that the halo effect is real, right? So all of the money that you're that you're spending on top of funnel or mid of, mid funnel uh, brand awareness actually is translating the grocery store shelves. Uh, we work really closely with Whole Foods and Amazon, and they were actually able to correlate ads being served on Amazon to the consumer actually purchasing at Whole Foods through the register. So yeah, I mean, I think it 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 it's an omni-channel approach, right? We we really use all aspects of marketing, whether it's digital or in the streets, but we really have found that they fuel each other, right? And and Allison can speak to this better than I can, but a lot of the comments on TikTok are, oh my gosh, I just I just bought this at Target or I went to the store and like cleared the shelf. So it, it is pretty awesome to see how it works hand in hand with retail. Cool, cool. On like the sales channel piece, I remember you saying how started off kind of in the natural channel, Whole Foods. How how have you expanded beyond to conventional? Because I know like for investors, that's kind of like the sweet spot, right? Like taking a brand that actually could work in natural and also work in in, in um, conventional retail. What are your thoughts around that? And how those like conversations gone? Yeah, I, I think that is, uh, I mean, that's a huge thing, right? Uh, conventional is really the, the, the bigger piece of the pie. Right. Um, I think it just goes back down to, our brand positioning, right? And, and just a great product, right? Um, and then also being focused on, uh, being focused and being willing to really grow outside of the natural. I feel like some people are just so focused on natural and winning at natural. And it, it, it is super important. It helps, you know, build your brand initially, especially for a product like this. But it's, but it really does come back to the product. It has to be approachable. And you honestly have to be meeting the consumer where they are right? And making it a little bit better. If you look at Body Armor, it's a little bit better than Gatorade. You know, Vitamin Water did the same thing. There's so many brands that are just a little bit better than what's out there. And I think that's what Poppy does. And it allows us to really transition from that natural consumer to the Kroger consumer and hopefully the the C-store consumer. Are you still finding maybe in your marketing as um, if it's changed or not, but, you know, because you need this like maybe um, consumer education about like prebiotic and everything. Have you seen that, that that's kind of switched where they maybe understand more what that what, what that means? Or do you think there's there's still kind of a lot a lot more education that, that needs to happen? I think the beauty of apple cider vinegar is most people have heard of it, right? So there's not a lot of education. It has a healthy halo. But I think is what we're finding through doing brand lift studies and now three years in is really goes back to what I was saying is people drink poppy because it tastes good. 
So a lot of our marketing has shifted versus like gut health and this, which can be very niche. We're seeing that with the kombucha, you know, kind of flatlining. It's a little bit of an interesting area. But if we truly want to be for the masses and a soda replacement, you just have to taste good at the end of the day. So a lot of our marketing is geared towards why well, I just, you know, taste this gut. And it's like, I got this at Target, Target Hall or whatever. But with us being able to be such a digital first brand and think of it, our first two years of business, we couldn't do demos. We couldn't do any in real life like events at all um, and still being able to grow like we did. Um, it's it's an interesting there's no zip codes on TikTok. Right. Like so like, I think some of our best target stores are like Fargo, North Dakota, like Cincinnati, Ohio. So like we are penetrating that consumer that isn't the typical L.A., New York, Austin uh, consumer. Cool. No, and I was going to say, I think it's, you know, uh, about educating. It's we can't stress it enough that we focus on flavor and refreshment. Right. And I think it's it was very intentional with our packaging as well. That You know, we chose color. We used to have apple cider vinegar big on the front of the pack. And and we purposely put it on the side of the pack because we want consumers to look at the look at the product and say, oh, my gosh, that looks amazing. Like this looks great. Buy the product, taste the product and and then flip it around and turn on the back and then find out, oh my gosh, this is like actually good for me. You know, so it really, it, it really is all about. Don't, don't be afraid to change if you notice something's not working. I think that's yeah. hard for a lot of people is like, you're like, no, this is the way it's always been. I mean, we're even still looking at it. Like, how do we continue? Maybe get soda on there more because on the grocery shelf, like functional pop is a brand new category, right? We're one of the fastest growing categories, according to Spence in the United States. Um, and they don't know where to put us on the shelf. So are we in the sparkling water set? Are we in the kombucha set? Are we in the soda set? It's like, we don't want to sit next to Coke that's 99 cents with high fructose corn syrup, right? So it's it's a learning that we're working with like our retailers and our consumers to learn um, as we go. And we're changing and evolving and getting better every day. So if you were a brand new startup today, okay, with all the different kind of trends in beverage, which trend right now or area in beverage that you that would you actually pursue outside of what you're currently doing? Whatever you do, just make sure it tastes good. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what we saw at Expo. Is there's been like crazy innovation over the past couple of years, and everything that we everything that we saw wasn't like crazy innovative. It was just about taking what consumers are actually liking and making it a little bit better, and ultimately focusing on on what tastes good. I would say tastes good. And then I think it's like, we don't know what the next whatever is, but I think if you can get comfortable and I speak on with TikTok and I, I do a lot here with the, the local offices, getting on as early as possible and going through that journey and telling your failures and, and your wins along the way and being really raw and authentic. And you'll create this insane community. Like our community is absolutely amazing online and they, you'll see them like go to bat for us if someone's like oh you know i drink coke but they're like no poppy it's like we don't have to respond anymore because our community is just so insane so i think it's just a whole new world to communicate with and there's just so much more but you have to get comfortable speaking uh in front of the camera no i i appreciate that any questions for allison and steven oh hi um exactly exactly (laughs) you know honestly we worked together before but i think um not just in in marriage, but in business, it's like, you got to trust the people you work with. Right. And I think that the reason that we did this so well is I I believe, at least I trust her. We'll see the other way, but, but I, you know, I think that there's just this level of trust that, Hey, you've got it. You stay in your lane and, and our skill sets are very complimentary, you know? And so I think that we've, we've been able to sort of get out of each other's way and, and make it happen. 
the, the, the one biggest fight that we that we have to date in our marriage is adding sugar to the well just product formulation product for <laughs> I never wanted to at the beginning we added like four grams in our sales like triple and I was like all right you're right and be able to admit when when I'm wrong but I also think if you're building something that you guys both believe in or if you're doing it with another founder like you guys have to be so aligned but also like we have three kids so it's basically like our kids poppy and they're like oh yeah our marriage and we know that and we know that we're working and this isn't forever so um yeah <laughs> stick with it awesome awesome House of the Seaman, this has been so much fun. Thanks so much for coming out. Really appreciate it. Thank you Thanks for having us. Thanks again for listening. And again, if you if you do love listening and you do love the show, highly recommend as well subscribing to the newsletter at theconsumervc.com. You'll receive every new episode when it's launched directly to your inbox, as well as a weekly recap of all the consumer deals that are happening. Until next time, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>